RC Plane Lab, a podcast for anyone interested in RC airplanes. We'll share tips and tricks on how to build models and talk about successful flights, epic crashes, and everything in between. Visit us at rcplanelab.com to sign up for our email list and to ask us questions. You can also text us or leave us a voicemail at 818-351-9846. Please help us out by rating and reviewing us in your favorite podcast app. Thanks for spending time with us today. Now here are your hosts, Ron and Tom. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the RC Plane Lab podcast. I'm Ron. And I'm Tom. Today, we're going to be talking about transmitters. But before we get to that, Tommy, have you uh, done any work since last we spoke on anything? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Is that I all? covered the rudder. <laughs> okay, well, you did get something done. Good good for you. I was hoping you weren't going to bring that up. But yeah, I got the, got the rudder done. It's all covered. I'm almost ready to start installing everything back in the airplane. Yeah, well, I've got to say, it's looking really good with the decals you have cut. The iron crosses turned out really great. Thanks. Um, Had a good buddy that cut those for me. Yeah, he must be pretty pretty, pretty handy with the with the vinyl cutting machine. No, it's it's fun doing that kind of stuff for airplanes. I I enjoy the decal work and and all that stuff. I I think yeah, it's they, fun, and they really do look good. Um, for those of you that don't know, but uh, it's an old uh, stick airplane that uh, Ron cut the iron crosses for me, and we actually decided that we liked the outline on the old iron cross instead of just being a black cross. It's a black cross with a black outline. Looks really good. Yeah, it gives a little depth. I like it. Yep. Um, Unusual colors, too, that I chose for this airplane. Uh, not the usual red and white stick. It's uh, something a little different. Yellow and transparent orange. Yeah. Which transparent orange does nothing for me, but it's the transparency in general. I get it. Yeah. I don't like to see the it's wood or the spars. No, it's not. And that's why it's your plane, not mine. Exactly. So since last we spoke, I did get a new to me airplane. Nice. Um, it's a, a Great Plains Twin Star. Um, so dual electric motor. Oh, the electric version. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. I gotcha. It, uh, so I took it out actually a couple days ago uh, after I got it bound up to my transmitter and stuff and, and maidened it, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, new to me plane. Oh, that was scary. I actually thought I was going to lose it a couple times. Do tell. It was very off. Like I, I did all the checks, the pre-flight checks and stuff before I took it out there. You know, I made mm-hmm. sure everything was on, um, made sure the propellers were balanced, made sure the gear was tight, made sure all the connections were, were good. But there was just something off when I when I was flying it. It's a faster plane than I okay. prefer. Uh, I expected it would be a, a decent slow flyer. But there is nothing. Not so. Not huh? not so. No, it takes a lot of speed. But it also so when I took off and I, I had all the the uh, control surfaces even zeroed zeroed right. Yeah. When I took off, you had to completely uh, or you had to hold aileron almost full right. Dear. In order to make it fly without uh, rolling left, and it was just climbing like crazy. I almost had to do full uh, elevator down to keep it from fl- or from climbing. Uh, how to do when you pull the throttle back. Once I went down to about a quarter throttle or a little below, it kind of evened itself out. But the problem became I was going a little bit too slow and I stalled it. Oops. And luckily I was high enough to where I I, uh, had time to recover. 
But when it stalled, it just went into a spin and did not want to come out. Oh dear. So yeah, it was a, it was a hairy situation. It was probably one of the worst maidens I have ever done on an airplane. Well, it's still in one piece. It is. Oh yeah. Did I, you I figure was out what's wrong with it? It took a lot of, uh, like I said, a lot of, a lot of trim. But I think I want to go in and just re-zero everything again. Uh, make sure the the throws are right. And make sure everything's set up to how it's supposed to be set up from the factory. Apparently it had been flown before, so hmm. it, uh, yeah, I don't know, it was a little bit hairy. But hmm. the guy I got it from before, actually, he had never flown it. He bought it from a, a swap meet. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Um, he tried to get it bound up to his transmitter, and, and let's just say he had an accident with it, with uh, the throttle and all that. He... he uh, so you use a one ESC or two? Two. Two, okay. Yeah, two. But anyway, so when he was, was getting it ready and, and doing his checks to make sure everything worked right, he, let's just say, flew it into his leg. <laughs> <laughs> no. He Yeah, apparently he cut his pants and, and oh, hurt my. himself a little bit. We laugh, but it's really not funny. Just be careful when yeah, you're working okay. with these things. They're While they are toys, they're dangerous toys. Yeah. Um, they, they, so, yeah. Yeah. So he wanted to get rid of it because he, you know, sure. Scared him. Bad juju. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's all the better for me. Right. But it did not fly all that great. So maybe it is haunted. Who knows? But now we'll, we'll get it. We'll get it taken yeah. care of. There's we'll check just, the CG and, you know, we'll check the lateral balance as well. Yeah. You know, see if it balances, you know. CG was fine. Left, you left know, right. I mean, I did check that yeah. before I flew it. Where'd you, did you find the manual and. Get the CG mm-hmm. out of the main. Okay. Yeah. It, it tells where it's supposed to be on that plane. Ah, okay. I checked it and it was okay. Um, only thing he said too was, uh, so when he did that, he broke the, the nacelle that was on it. Right. And I don't think he realized when, when he also did that, he unglued it Whoops. from the wing. So when I first got it together and I was doing my test, you know, here at home before I was going to fly it, something just was off. It right. didn't sound right. It didn't feel right. It just, it was off a little bit. So I, I took it apart and I did find that that had uh, come unglued. Yeah, that's so, not good. Yeah, got that all glued back together. And then I still need to get a nose comb for it because apparently he said he uh, he knelt on it oh. when he was getting up and okay. and cracked that. But now hopefully it'll be a good airplane here after we do some more checks That's a good on looking it. airplane. Yeah, I, I like the looks of it. But I'd rather be able to fly it and enjoy it more. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Yep. Uh, Shouldn't take much. No, I don't think it will. But other than that, I haven't had much time since last episode to do anything. So Yeah. Cool. So we're talking about transmitters today. Yeah, let's get into it. Yep. So we'll start with uh, what we've got in front of us here. We have a DX8, uh, which is Ron's transmitter. Mm -hmm. Uh, I also fly with a DX8. A bit old school these days, but uh, when they first came out, they were the bee's knees, if, <laughs> if I can say that. They're still good transmitters. Yeah. They do what they need to do. Well, the, it does everything I want. Yeah. The only thing about the DX8 that uh, could potentially be a problem down the road is the number of channels. Right. Um, <clears throat> and we'll talk about that. Uh, so setting up a transmitter, um, I'll just dive right into it. Sure. This is, for everybody listening, this might be, um, what's what I'm looking for? Kind of boring if you're not <laughs> if you're not too sure of what you're listening to. 
but I think this is important to cover because it is, while it is technical, it's important right. to know how to set things up right and how to, uh, well, it, what you're looking for when you're trying to buy something even. You right. know, it, it's good to know what the transmitters will do and what you can expect out of them. And I don't know about you, but I've bought things before and they were more capable than than I was capable, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. Uh, for instance, a transmitter, these things have lots of settings that you can adjust and, and customizations and menus and things like that. And if you don't know what some of this stuff means, it could be a bit overwhelming, especially when you turn the thing on and you just want to go fly. Right. So we thought it wouldn't be a bad idea to sort of just go over some of the basics and maybe talk about what each function does and maybe what sort of airplane would use that kind of function. Yeah, and it's also good to know too because if if you have something that you want to do or need to do but don't know what that's called or where to find it, you know, this would, should hopefully help you figure out what settings you're looking for and where to start. Exactly. So, yeah. okay, let's get into it and okay. uh, this is all going to be you. So, <laughs> talk to me. Well, I'll try. I'll try. I'll do my best. Uh, and correct me if I get anything wrong. Uh, so, the Predominantly today, it's 2.4 gigahertz. So the different types of transmitters, um, they all kind of, the, the modern ones are using that sort of technology, which I believe comes from uh, um, wireless, not cell phones, but like the wireless phones we used to use in our homes. Yeah, so it was the same frequency. So the 2.4 gigahertz is what we used. Right. So most modern transmitters today are going are gonna to be on 2.4 gigahertz. Yeah, uh, but for... You, I guess, not necessarily me, because I, I remember it with the old RC car days. We had some AM transmitters, mm-hmm. um, apparently some FM transmitters also. Yep. Because I remember you have to pick your, what you said, AM had six bands, I think. Yeah, 27 go. band had six available frequencies arranged by color. Right. So you had to be sure you did not have anybody else on your frequency or else you lost control of your car, which that was before I was into airplanes. Right. Cars were bad enough, so I can't imagine, <laughs> how, like, how many on FM, like 75 megahertz or 72? Uh, I think it was around 40. I think we had 40 available frequencies for air use on 75 or 72, whatever megahertz that was. And so, then. like I said, if you had somebody else with a transmitter on your color for cars, you had no control of your car. Well, I shouldn't say that. You had just as much as the other person did. Right. Was that the same for yeah. airplanes then? Yeah. Pretty much. That's scary. Mixing of the streams. Yep. Yeah. So that I guess I'm glad that we have uh, advanced past, I guess, that technology oh, yeah. and have gone with 2.4 gigahertz. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, so much better. The days. radios, if I understand it correctly, actually um, transmit farther than the FM. Oh, yeah. Is the range is, is much range better. Is much higher. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you don't have to worry about interference from other radios either. Nope. That's not at all. Yeah, it's amazing where we are now. Well, I shouldn't <laughs> say not at all, but it's it's so much better, and um, we don't have the issues with uh, stray signals affecting our airplanes and our airplanes kind of freaking out for a millisecond and then coming back to you when they get the signal again. Yeah, those days are kind of over. Thank goodness. Well, I our uh, our local flying field still has the board up that has the. <laughs> yeah. The uh, I guess apparently when yeah, you were flying, yeah, clips were still in there. Yeah. So how how did that work then? When you were flying on a certain number, I yeah, guess. Yeah. So was it was uh, basically um, clothespins with a number written on them, and the number was the frequency that you were using. And uh, if you had the clip, or if the clip was missing out of the board, and you wanted to turn your transmitter on, 
first you went to the board to make sure your frequency was available, i.e. if there was a clip in there with a number on it, you grab that clip, stick it to your transmitter antenna, and that was your way of letting everybody know that you were on channel 86 or whatever channel it was. Wow. Yeah. So you didn't turn your transmitter on in the in the pit unless you checked that board. So much different these days. People just turn their transmitters on all willy-nilly and... <laughs> Don't even think about it. Right. Because, it, yeah, it does not affect other does airplanes affect unless them, they yeah. are bound to the that receiver. Exactly. So, yeah, amazing technology. I'm, I'm glad it's that way now. Yeah, I am too. Especially coming from the old AM days when... Yeah, we, were, we won't talk about that. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, when you when you first fire up, in our example, a DX8 and, the, and setting up a new model, uh, the first thing it's going to ask you, uh, the DX8 anyway, it's going to ask you what type of model, model type. So the DX8, for those who don't know, can do airplanes and helicopters. And then uh, once you've selected the model type, in this case we're going to go with airplanes because that's what we're talking about, it, then you'll have to set up the wing type. So in the DX8, um, and other transmitters probably very similar, uh, I think most of the Spectrum stuff sort of uses the same uh, menu, menu layout flow yeah menu layout thank you uh-huh. uh, so you know wing type what they're talking about is you know are you using one servo to drive both ailerons or is it a is it a, bi- a biplane where you're using maybe two servos to drive four ailerons or or maybe an airplane where you've got one servo for each aileron you, you can select that in the dx8 menu and that will assign those servos a channel on the receiver so that's what kind of what I was alluding to earlier when I said with some of today's bigger airplanes, a DX8, you're going to run out of channels, especially if you're using multiple servos and not wiring up with a Y harness. Now, a Y harness is basically a way to <clears throat> plug two servos into one channel. They operate exactly like, exactly the same as, you know, the other. So if one moves 20% left, the other one moves 20% left with that Y harness. So you have no independent control of those two servos when they're plugged in that way. It takes an extra channel and programming to do that. So that's what I was kind of getting to. If you got a big biplane, let's say, and you want to put a servo on each aileron, well, there's four channels right there. Mm-hmm. And then let's say you want to put a servo in each elevator and you don't want to do it through a Y harness, well, there's two more channels. Now we're up to six channels. And we've only got two left, and we got throttle and rudder still to do. And then if we want to do anything cool like lights, like we can turn on and off or, Smoke or an opto kill switch oh, you yeah. know, for the gas. Or, you know what I'm saying? So it's important to try to select a radio that you're not going to outgrow within the next few years because these things aren't cheap. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? So and once you've selected your wing type, then... Um, in the DX8, the next thing that'll pop up is the tail type. And that's sort of the same idea as the wing type because you can have lots of different types of tails. Uh, you can have a V-tail. You can have dual rudders with, with one elevator. You can have dual rudders with dual you know, elevators. Um, you could do a V-tail and then mix the V-tail with elevator. I mean, there's just lots of different types of tails. And the modern transmitter will accommodate that and it will assign the channels for you that makes the most sense so that you can set your servos up and control them independently. Okay. And they it, the DX8 is awesome. It gives you a cool little handy-dandy diagram of, <laughs> you know, what, what like it is it looks like. So 
if your airplane looks like this, and then you select this particular menu, mm -hmm. and then plug everything in just the way the DX8 tells you, which is pretty cool. So, servo setup. So that's kind of next. Um, something I want to say about servo setup, though, <clears throat> you should always try to set everything up mechanically the way you want it when you can. And what I mean by that is don't use, and I'll talk about this later, don't use endpoint adjustments to set the travel limits of your servo because this the servo, for whatever reason, could get a stray signal, you know, when you're sitting in the pits and it, you turn, I mean, and it would go past that mechanical limit you've set and it may bind or strip gears or, or whatever. So you want to try to set the mechanical limits. I'm sorry, you want to try to set the limits when you can mechanically. That's why the servo horns have all those holes in them. And the servo arms, same thing. They have all those different holes in them. So what that allows you to do is it allows you to set up the servo mechanically so that you don't overstress it. Uh, and that should be done, you know, when you build the airplane. Mm -hmm. You know, set everything up. 100% on the transmitter, and then set it up so that at maximum throw, i.e. maximum travel on the servo, it doesn't bind anything. And if you, you know, let's say you need less travel, well, that's in hole or two holes at the servo horn or out holes at the control horn at the control surface, mm -hmm. if you can picture that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, that makes sense. Set and it then, up right yeah. when, you're, when you're building the airplane. And then using the transmitter for fine adjustments. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. That's exactly right. And then also kind of tying into that, uh, talk just a little bit about mechanical advantage. So <clears throat> the servo has the most amount of torque closest to the output shaft. And what that means is if you have your push rod uh, set up on the innermost hole at the servo, that is going to have more torque than the outermost hole at the servo. And it has to do with moment and arm, and, and I'm not going to get into the, the physics leverage of it. And, and leverage, stuff, yeah. right. So if you can, and this is how I set my airplanes up too, and I'm not a professional pilot or anything like that, but um, and I've, I've seen some 3D pilots set their airplanes up this way as well, is they'll try to, they'll try to get the maximum travel they want on the innermost hole that they can at the servo because that's where the servo provides the most amount of torque, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, I get it. So mechanical advantage, that's what that means. So when you see that in the, sometimes you'll actually see that in the um, owner's manuals for the uh, transmitters, that's what they're talking about, mechanical advantage and then mechanical limits so that you don't over you know, overstress the servo because you've gone past the mechanical limit of the servo, if that makes sense. Yeah. You don't want to break one by by putting too much force on it. Exactly. Yeah. Strip yeah. a gear or anything like that. Yeah. So then, you know, I talked about, you know, endpoint adjustments and things like that. And these are abbreviated lots of different ways. Um, I think Futaba, I think they call it ATV, adjustable travel volume. Uh, but on the spectrums, you know, we they, they just call it servo travel which is actually pretty good because that's exactly what you're adjusting. You're adjusting the amount that the servo travels at maximum throw. So for some reason, let's say you can't set up the mechanical limits the way you want to. 
and you need less throw. Like you can't move them in anymore at the servo, the horn or the push rods. You can do that electronically through this um, servo travel function. And obviously, you know, more is more travel and less is less travel on the, on the menu. Uh, so that's one way you can set that up if you can't do it mechanically. And, and like I said, other brands, they, they call it something else, but it's, it's endpoint adjustments. I think EPA, that was another one that, uh, I don't know, Airtronics might use that one, but I've seen that one too. But that's what they're talking about is the amount of, that the servo actually travels from center to maximum deflection. And then sub trim. So we'll talk a little bit about trim. So the modern transmitter now, we used to have slides <laughs> actually on the transmitter, mm -hmm. you know, for each function. Yeah. Well, now there are these cool little, you know, momentary on switches, which are pretty cool. Um, and and that I should say this about trim also. Uh, when you When you get your model flying the way you want it to, you should always try to, when you, when you bring the model back, if it has taken some trim, let's say it's taken some right aileron trim to make it fly straight and level. In the case of your new airplane, it, it took a lot of trim mm -hmm. to make it fly straight, right? Fly straight and level. <clears throat> when you bring the airplane back, you should try to mechanically move that push rod such that you can recenter your trim. And the reason I say that is because it's always easy to remember to zero your trims than to try to remember, oh, well, I think I had five degrees of up elevator for this airplane. If at the end of the flight, you zero the trim and, you know, make sure the elevator is still at that position at zero trim, you'll always be right at zero trim. If yeah. That sort of makes sense. Yeah. And that's a yeah. habit that I got into a long time ago, especially after a maiden, because not very often have I had an airplane fly hands off right off the building table. I mean, it happens, but usually there's at least some trim. So after the maiden flight, I, I get it all trimmed out so it flies straight and level, and I land. I'll Once I've landed, I'll turn, you know, either leave, leave everything on or I'll turn everything back on, and I'll actually measure the deflection at neutral stick for each control surface. And then what I'll do is I'll zero the trim, and then I'll mechanically move either the clevises or whatever to get back to that, whatever that measurement was mm -hmm. at zero trim. That way I know at zero trim, the airplane should be flying, you know. Yeah, because it's always off. best to have an airplane fly or set up to fly at zero trim. So change right. what you can on the airframe itself as opposed to in the radio. Exactly. And yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Makes and, a lot of sense. And if you make a habit out of doing that early, um, then it's just something you kind of like a pre-flight you just sort of do without even thinking about it well not only that but if you do go to sell it or if you change radios or something along those lines you're going to have an easier time setting it up um it could be that the person that flew this one last when i uh, or flew it last before i had it could have had some really really odd trim settings in their radio mm -hmm. and that's why it was so off for me even though everything was centered yeah, because you centered everything mechanically such that you thought it would fly straight and level with everything at neutral. Well, it had the servos and everything in it still, so I didn't oh, have I to add any okay. of that stuff. So I it would have you. been set up badly from them. Yep. So when I'm thinking it's going to be flying okay, it was just set up that far off that the radio had to make up for it. So, right. yeah, I can understand going back and, and resetting that up the right way. Yeah. 
So I said subtrim after uh, we were talking about travel and <clears throat> subtrim is a handy thing to use if, uh, for instance, there are some airplanes out there. Well, there are lots of airplanes out there that, that behave this way. Some, you know, for some reason, one turn or even a half a turn on the clevis is too much in either one direction or the other. I.e., uh, you went out and you maidened and you brought it back and you measured it and I need five degrees above elevator to fly straight and level at about half throttle. Well, at half throttle, you you can only get like four and a half degrees and then if you move the clevis another half a turn, now it's five and a half degrees. I can't get that sweet spot. Mm-hmm. That's what subtrims are for. Subtrims are not for getting more trim when you've run out of trim on the transmitter. I've seen so many people, you know, they, they run that aileron trim all the way to the right and it's, they won't go any farther. Okay, I'm going to get in my subtrim menu and I can get a little more. Yeah, it works, but that really is not a good way to, because now it's you're not, out of It's not best practices. No. And when you're talking about a trim. Right. And when you're talking subtrim too, you're talking about the menu subtrim. My, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Not actually the the click buttons that are on the transmitter. Exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah so and usually subtrim is a is a very small percent of your overall available trim on the trim switch on the uh-huh. front of the transmitter. So what I'm saying is like let's say your aileron trim from zero gives you another, if you go full right trim, let's say it gives you another five degrees of travel, subtrim might give you a half a degree, if that sure. kind of puts it in perspective. Yeah. And the subtrim is an electronic thing. It's, you know, like you said, it's not a switch out here on the outside of the face of the transmitter. Yeah, it's not something you would you would adjust while flying. Not usually. <laughs> you shouldn't. Unless you have really, really good confidence in your airframe, airplane. Yeah. yeah, so that's subtrim. And then the next thing, uh, reverse, I mean, that's kind of self-explanatory. It, it basically just allows you to reverse the direction of the servo. So, for instance, if you, you know, pull back on the stick and it gives you down elevator, well, you can flip the switch or get in that menu and flip the reverse on the elevator and it'll make it go the other direction. I have the benefit of remembering <laughs> when we used to have to buy reverse rotation servos because there was no such thing as throttle reversing on your transmitter <laughs> or or setting the servo up so that the control horn was on the other side if, if you had room to do that wow. or buying a reversing uh, there was a little thing you could plug in line with your servo that would actually electronically reverse the, the polarity motor, yeah. or whatever wow yeah <laughs> that is old school yeah so that's reversing and then speed uh, on the DX8, you can adjust the speed of each channel, which is kind of cool, uh, especially if you've got like... Um, Landing gear is what I like to use it for. Landing gear is a great example. Yep. You can slow it down to make it look more scale. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last time I used this function was on uh, a B25 that I had put together for a friend, mm-hmm. and uh, I put it on the flaps. So the flaps came down kind of slow, which was really, really, actually really helpful in flight because it gave me yeah. time to adjust you know, the back pressure on the stick or, or what have you. And they just look cool. Yeah. So more scale, more realistic looking. Right. Right. So, so those are, are some of the more basic, uh, functions that you'll get into. Um, and then beyond that, uh, we'll talk about dual rate and exponential. Uh, dual rate is a, is a switch on the front face of the transmitter that you can flip. And on the DX8, we can select our switches, which is pretty sweet. Um, we can put our dual rate on any of these switches we want to. It's assignable. 
And I think most modern transmitters are probably that way also. So on my DX8, I have, you know, let's say my elevator dual rate is over here on the one labeled elevator dual rate. And it's a three position switch. So I can actually have three options, if you will. So, and what dual rate is, is it limits the amount of travel depending on how you have it set up and, and how you have your switch set up. So, for example, an airplane that, uh, well, 3D pilots, I think, sort of use this sort of technology at high angle or high alpha flight when they're doing their crazy tricks and stuff, they'll have maximum rates, like as much deflection as they can get. Mm -hmm. And then when they want to fly around more precision type aerobatics, they'll go up here and they'll flip their dual rays, which would let, let's say it limits the travel of all those, you know, the elevator and ailerons uh, to 50%. So the airplane flies smoother at the same amount of stick travel. So that's what we're talking about with, with dual rate and how you can assign it to switches. Um, there's lots of other ways to, to go about that also. I know some pilots will take and they will assign all of their dual rates, elevator, aileron, rudder, all of them to one switch. Mm -hmm. And they'll call it a flight mode switch. So sometimes you'll see that out there, flight mode. And that's another way you can you can customize that switch to make the airplane fly the way you want it to, but different styles of flying. Mm -hmm. So exponential, that's a tough one. That's what I just wrote down to make sure that we were going <laughs> to talk about actually. Yeah. So what I use exponential for is I call it soft center. It it deadens the center of the stick. It can. Yeah. Right. Or it can it can make it the opposite too if you don't have it set up the other way, the wrong way or the right way. Right. But the point is to right. deaden the center of the sticks. Right. So another good example would be the three D type of flying. Maybe maybe um maybe you're really maybe you were brought into the hobby. Um, the good way, and you were taught to fly, you know, with with by pinching, you know, the sticks. Uh -huh. I can't fly that way. That's not the way I learned. I'm a thumbs guy. I stick my thumbs right on top of the sticks just like this, and that's not very precision. Right. So for a guy like me, I like to get in there and I like to mess with the expo exponential. And what I and what exponential does, if you're not familiar, is <clears throat> it will change the way the control surface behaves with the movement of the stick. So for instance, um, exponential, just like the term exponential implies, the farther you move the stick, the more throw you get, and the, the rate of throw exponentially increases or decreases if you don't want to follow convention. Um, and what that does is it makes the airplane less sensitive around the center, which is great for a guy like me who flies with his thumbs because, you know, as I get older, I'm not as smooth as I used to be. So exponential with the thing that's nice about that is as you move your stick when it's in the center, you move your stick more in order to move your control surfaces less. And then as your stick gets to the outer limits of how far you can physically move the sticks on the transmitter, your uh, elevator, your uh, rudder, whichever, or ailerons, whatever you have it set up for, will move more. Does that make sense? Am I explaining that okay? It does. So yep. the first 75% that you can move your sticks 
might only move the control surfaces 25%. Exactly. But that last 25% that you move the sticks... We'll give you the last 75%. We'll give you the last 75%, right. correct, of throw on the control surfaces. Yep. No, that's a beautiful way of describing it. Yeah, because I, hope, I hope that makes sense. And it does. And and what it does is it, it softens the, the control response around the center. So you can be a little bit more precise if you want to, especially if you're like me and you fly with your thumbs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's a great way to describe it. The the farther you move the stick, the more exponentially the throw increases. Um, yeah, and so if you move it in a, in a at the same speed all the way across, right, you will notice that the control surfaces do not move in a linear fashion. Exactly, they will move slowly at first and then move fast to get to the very end. Yeah. And I'm glad you said linear because that takes me to the next point, which. Which is curves. Ah, so if you thought, yeah, if you thought exponential was difficult to explain, uh, and I'll do my best to explain th um, curves. Uh, so the DX8, we can we can put all of our channels on and and program uh, curves in there, and it's a lot like exponential, mm -hmm. um, but it's completely customizable. Whereas a, exponential is usually done as a percentage, mm -hmm. uh, so that you know. Um, at 50% throw, you're only at 20% actual throw on the airplane. So like, you know, 50% stick is 20% throw, and then 100% stick is maybe 80% throw. However, you, whatever percentage you've assigned it to in the exponential menu. In the curve menu, <clears throat> you can make those numbers whatever you want. Like you can have a U-shaped curve, you can have a, a, a linear curve, which would be a line <laughs> for those that are listening. Or you could have... Uh, if we you know, haven't lost everybody yet. Right. Or you could have a kind... I mean, there, there's... Bell curve. It's completely yeah. customizable. And without without trying to really dive into it, it it's, it's basically, once you're so comfortable with a particular air, airplane... Usually by the the time you get into the curves, you're um, flying that airplane a lot and maybe even in competitions and you have a curve set up for a specific function. Uh, for example, I know with pattern, uh, there's a box that you have to do certain maneuvers in within these um, boundaries. And a curve, what it would allow you to do is allow you to fly your entry and exit out of the box or the or the boundary that you're allowed to do the trick, you know, with a smooth, you know, kind of flying like normal or whatever. But then you have these curves set up so that when you reach maximum throw on the stick, it's either completely crazy like maximum maximum throw on the airplane or if it's just a simple roll, you may flip the switch, turn the curves on, and maximum throw on the stick may only be... 10% throw on the actual control surface. So it's it's a way of, of customizing the the way the airplane flies with just a flip of a switch. And just like, I, I failed to mention that, just like exponential, you know, or dual rates rather, all of these functions can be turned on and off in flight with the switches, depending on how you have them assigned. Huh. So yeah, mid-flight, if you're, you're out there doing crazy 3D stuff, and then you're like, oh, I'm tired of this. I just want to go fly smooth again. You flip a switch, 
and it, it it turns on all your curves and your exponentials, and now you've got this nice smooth flying airplane that you don't have all those maximum throws anymore. Which is easier to land, which is easier to actually fly with. Exactly. Because you don't have necessarily have the throws that you had before. That's exactly so, right. Okay. Um, yeah. I'm not talented enough of a <laughs> pilot to take full advantage of that. I don't fly often enough. Yeah. And I always say I'm I'm going to, but for whatever reason, it never works out. Um, but I would like to get to a point someday when I fly that I would actually be using these switches for for all the things that you can use them for. Of course, sticks don't really need all that technology. Not at all. Um, and the next thing, um, differential, that just simply means you can adjust um, with our Spectrum DX8, any of the channels, you can make them operate more in one direction than the next. That's all that means. So sometimes I know way back when we used, we used to have to do this with these really, really big wheels, essentially, that were on top of the servo, and we would mount the um, push rods off-center. So, for instance, if you could picture a wheel in front of you and then there's a, you know, a crosshair in the center, instead of mounting their, uh, the pivot points for your push rods right along those lines, you'd move them up and you would get differential throw that way. So some of the old trainers we used to fly, we used to use differential throw on the ailerons because you would have things like adverse yaw or other weird things going on because, you know, when the elevator dips down into the airstream, it causes more drag than it does when it moves up into the airstream. And that, that drag causes a yaw. Well, you know, you don't want the left wing dragging behind when you're trying to make a right-hand turn. You know, it sets up crazy um, aerodynamic weirdness. So with differential, we corrected that by making it so that the aileron that was going down, say on a, let's say our right aileron was going to go down, and we're going to make a left-hand turn, we'd make it so that the right aileron would go up more than the right one went down. And that's differential throw. And that's really all we're trying to correct is weird aerodynamic weirdness. And that would be better to set up then on the radio than it would be physically on the plane? It's much easier to yeah. set it up in the radio because now, I mean, and there was a lot of math involved and, you know... <laughs> I remember this airplane as a kid that I put together. They actually, in the building manual for the airplane, they gave you a diagram on how to drill the holes <laughs> on the servo horn so you'd get the proper differential throw on the ailerons. Yeah, we don't have to do that anymore. We can do it all electronically. Okay. So that is one plus to the new uh, new computer radios. Oh, then one of the many pluses. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that was differential throw. And then... Uh, the last, the last real, um, well, the two topics, I guess, flap system. So if you have that enabled on your transmitter, that just simply means um, you can use your ailerons as flaps. We call those flaperons. Um, or you can have individual flaps and ailerons on your wing. And that's all assignable in the transmitter so long as you have enough channels to to plug those servos in. And that's part of the work. wing setup when you're first setting up your model. Yeah, it is, but it, it falls after. Like in the menu, for some reason, it, it doesn't, they don't put that. In the DX8, to get the flap system 
uh, operational, you have to select back in the original menu in the wing type that you have that sort of wing. Right. Otherwise, it won't open up that option for you. Right. So, and then the last thing is mixing. We can mix any channel with any channel on today's radios, which is pretty wild. Yeah. So if you, I mean, you can change uh, elevator based on what your throttle position is. Yep. So if your throttle is high and you know you need more down elevator on that to keep it flying level, you can do that all electronically. Yep. Mix it in electronically. Yep. Or if you have, if you, uh, for instance, if you have an airplane that, that you like to fly knife edge, but um, at neutral, like let's say you have full right rudder input and neutral everything else, uh, maybe the airplane wants to tuck to the gear. Well, that means it wants to like turn uh -huh. towards the gear. You can, yeah, you can mix a little bit of like the more rudder you feed in, you can mix in down elevator to prevent that. So, yeah, that's what mixing is. Just mixing any channel with any other channel, which is pretty useful when you're when you're trying to tune out uh, sometimes bad tendencies of airplanes. Yeah. What about uh, what about the different channels? So, what would you use? Obviously, a basic is going to be a four channel. Right. What would you use the extra channels for to get up to eight or past eight, even to, you know, 10, 12, whatever some of the, the higher, yeah. uh, higher channel radios? Well, have. I mean, anything you can plug into a port of your receiver could potentially be something that you would control with your transmitter. Um, I use the example of using a Y harness to, to, um, run two aileron servos. Uh, if you wanted to run those ailerons, well, you have to run those ailerons separately if you want to use them as flaps also, flapperons. So that is an additional channel. So now we're at four channels plus one more because we have to have that open channel to plug in that extra aileron servo. Um, if you're using separate servos, let's say on an elevator, you got two elevator halves. Maybe you want to Maybe you want to mix in a little bit of differential elevator throw when you're, when you're, you know, to increase your roll rate. If you're going to be, you know, doing some crazy, you know, cubing eights or, or rolling circles or whatever. Well, there's another port you need. So now we're up to six channels. Um, but traditionally, we used to think of channels as, as functions. So a, a basic four channel is, you know, throttle, rudder, aileron, elevator. Um, some fun things you can do, uh, you could set up flaps just as flaps by themselves. Uh, you could set up retractable gear, you know, now we're up to six channels. Uh, you could put maybe a bomb drop, you know, seven channels. Uh, maybe you could rig up some electric lights or something like that, you know, landing lights, if you want to turn something like that. Well, there we're at eight channels and we haven't even begun to split channels, you know, or, or split servos. So you can run out of channels pretty quickly is mm -hmm. kind of what I'm getting at. Yeah. Uh, but Opt yeah. Optical kill switch for uh, a gasoline ignition. Exactly. Um, oh, what else can you do? A smoke system. Smoke system. If you have a big enough plant. Yeah, there's a bunch of other things that, that you can that yeah. you can use channels for. So it's, really, if you're going to go buy one, it's best to get Back the, in the day, we used to use remote needle valves. I've never even heard of that. Oh, yeah. Back in the day, we, we used to, um, <laughs> so before there were electric ducted fans, there were ducted fans and they were nitro engine, you know, housed in the fuselage and, uh, 
turning a big fan inside a big housing. And they were usually, well, a fan develops its thrust by turning it really, really, really fast. So these engines were usually very highly tuned, uh, crazy, crazy RPM with tuned pipes and, you know, just screamers. And it was not uncommon for these things to, once you had them tuned on the ground, they would unload once they got in the air and the tune would be off. So we'd have to, we'd find ourselves tuning them a little bit lean on the ground so that when they unloaded in the air, they would richen up or vice versa. It's been such a long time. I don't remember, <laughs> but yeah. So we had this cool little gizmo on the, on the needle valve of the, of the motor that the entire housing that the needle valve was in had an arm on it and we had it hooked up to a servo so we could fine tune the, the mixture in the air. Wow. And that was another channel. Hmm. Yeah. Amazing Fun how times. things have changed, really, how things have gotten better. Oh, but what, yeah. I, what I was going to say, though, is, is when you're going to purchase a transmitter, get what you can afford. Yeah, absolutely. Think about what you're going to want to do, and then probably add a couple, because you're going to forget channels. You know, For sure. You're, you're not going to think necessarily about what you're going to do five years down the road, because these are expensive. I mean, oh, I yeah. think, I want to say that was... 450 bucks, 400 bucks, maybe something like that when I bought it. And yeah, that could be. It's been it's been several years yeah. since I bought it. And I know new ones are the same price and they go up a lot more from there even. Right. Um, I remember when the DX18 came out. I just when it came out I I was like, "Holy cow, 18 channels. I, I would never run out of channels." Well, I mean, guys <laughs> with these big airplanes and especially the scale the big scale airplane warbird guys that are you know doing competitions and stuff. Oh yeah, eighteen channels is nothing. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's amazing how quickly you can fill them up. Yep, but yeah, so. definitely definitely good advice. Um, buy what you can afford uh, because you don't want to have to buy it again later because you ran out of channels or functions or, mm -hmm. or what have you. Yeah, yeah. So anything else you want to cover? No, I mean uh, I think. I think I've covered all the all the stuff that I feel confident talking about. <laughs> I mean these transmitters today they're they're so capable. Yeah. And we haven't even talked about helicopters. Which, which we're not going to. We're not going to. <laughs> I am not qualified. I don't have a helicopter. I don't want a helicopter. The helicopters are cool. That's fine, yeah. but that's just I, not I like my thing. Them. Yeah. I, I have had them, you know, off and on over the years and I can fly them. Yeah. I can fly them basic. You know, I can't do any of the cool tricks and stuff that they can do now, but yeah, we want to talk about some complicated setups sometimes. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, um, with the, uh, <laughs> so because I'm old and I've been in the hobby a long time, I've seen some crazy, uh, workarounds. So we're talking about flapperons. <clears throat> so nowadays you, know, you just, oh, I want flapperons. I'll just put a servo in each wing panel, drive them on separate channels, mix it in my transmitter, I'm good to go. Uh -huh. Well, it used to be. Uh, in fact, there was a company, man, I can't remember the name of it, but they made a tray. You had to cut a big piece or design a big piece in the center section of the wing to house this tray. And what it was, it was a, a tray that slid on two rails. And you put a servo right in the middle of it, and it would be your aileron servo, right? So it would be a standard aileron setup with one servo. 
but the tray would move back and forth, and the tray was driven by another servo. So that's how you mixed your flaperons. So as the tray would move back and forth, it would change they would, where they're yeah they would zeroed. go up or down together. But then as the <laughs> aileron servo rotated within the tray, then that's how you got your aileron function. Mechanical engineering yeah. over computer engineering. Oh, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah, the, I used the, to own one of those. <laughs> <laughs> that just seems like it would go wrong so easily. Um, it would get bound up. It would get you know it, uh, it worked really really well. Really? Yeah, it really did. Uh, it was. Uh, trying to think of the airplane that that was on it was a big high wing thing not not a stick and it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't a trainer um but yeah that's that's how we that's how we did flap runs back then that's perhaps that's some of our listeners will remember that and if we me, and make me not be the only old guy if we have any listeners left at this point right this was uh this was kind of in depth it was a tough one i understand yeah but we got through it hopefully it was uh enough to uh Describe some things for people that didn't know what they were talking about. There was some stuff in there I didn't quite understand. Uh, I've not used any of the curves. You know, I use exponential, but I've never used any curves. I don't think I probably would, but it's good to know kind of what it would be used for. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it it was an interesting discussion, but very factual. Right. So Um, I was going to say something, but it wasn't that important, I guess. Okay. Totally slipped my mind. That happens when you get older. <laughs> well, anything else? No, that's, uh, I think, oh, uh, what I wanted to say was um, if anybody, if I've confused anybody out there or if I've gotten it wrong, um, feel free to hit us up. Uh, text us at the at the number there that, that we gave you at the beginning of the program. Uh, send us an email. Uh, and we'll, I'll try to correct it or whatever on the, on the, on the show. Well, if Tom was wrong in what he said, be sure to email him direct. Leave me alone. <laughs> Cause that was not what I was saying. Um, that's Tom at rcplanelab.com. And, uh, you know, if you just want to tell me that I was doing good and listen to a lot of stuff today, my email address is Ron at rcplanelab.com. But, uh, yeah, you be could sure also let... email Ron and tell him everything I got wrong. I'm sure he would love to hear that. <laughs> that's true. I guess I'll, I'll read it before I forward it on and and make fun of you a little bit for it. But That's all I got. All right, me too. Uh, Until next time, I'm Ron. I'm Tom. Thank you for listening. Yep, see you later. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the RC Plane Lab podcast. For topic suggestions, to ask questions, or to give any feedback, connect with us at rcplanelab.com or email us direct at either ron at rcplanelab.com or tom at rcplanelab.com. You can also text us or leave us a voicemail at 818-351-9846. Please subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast app. Until next time, may your landings be gentle.